0: Uh, So we uh, begin with uh, reading God's Word. And uh, you will see two passages here, Matthew 28 and 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Two short passages. Uh, What is significant? Why did I pick these two? Well, these are the only two verses or two parts of the, the Bible, the only two that actually name Father, Son, and Spirit, all Within a verse. Now, there are many verses in the New Testament that, that speak of the Trinity, even saying God and refer, uh, implying the Father and the Lord, uh, applying to Jesus and Spirit. So, there are many other Trinitarian passages, but these two are the only two that very specifically call out the name the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so, in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, we read, and I'm going to start at uh, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, First Peter chapter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, all who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood, grace and peace be yours abundance. The word of the Lord. Dear God, we pray that your word would work in our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When I uh, told Pastor Greg about the sermon, he said, uh, sounds good. Uh, Just to let you know, I preached on the Holy Spirit a couple weeks ago, and I, uh, within the sermon, uh, spoke of some uh, doctrinal points of the Trinity, and he, he was very kind and sent me a little, uh, little portion of his notes that addressed the Trinity. I replied, "I'll I'll try to agree with you," um, and actually, especially with the doctrine of the Trinity, one must be very careful with with words, and if I spoke too much new stuff this evening you that's not good uh because the Trinity is such a foundational doctrine, and it needs to be understood very clearly according to the biblical witness and uh why I emphasize it is because so many people over the years have misinterpreted have abused the Bible and come up with something else about who God is and have in essence, redefined God. Uh, now, I do have uh, some, uh, some pictures. And, of course, we have the, uh, the logo of the, the CRC, and uh, Pastor Greg uh, referenced that. Uh, but I have another picture now. Uh, I distinctly remember I was in high school youth group. We were talking about the Trinity, and I raised my hand, and I said, what about a zinger? Do they even make these anymore, zingers? I don't know. Yes, they do. Okay, Twinkies maybe get more pressed. But I said, you have the frosting, the cake, and the filling. And I thought, three and one. And <laughs> my youth leader said, uh, no. Now, actually, what symbols do like this is they are a very good um, Symbol to explain the false teaching of the Trinity. I mean, people like, we like symbols, but it helps to explain the false teaching because essentially the filling is not fully Zinger, right? It's just one third or one part. And in the doctrine of the Trinity, for instance, Jesus is fully God. The next uh, picture, uh, the famous uh, clover leaf. Uh, we have three leaves, but one clover. However, one leaflet there is not fully clover, just one-third. And uh, this is a way that people have uh, misinterpreted the Trinity. I had to put this in. You know, you have the uh, the branches and leaves, the trunk and the roots. Uh, it's a beautiful picture, but nah, not, not good when it comes to understanding the Trinity. Uh, well, water, you know, you have water and you have uh, steam, the liquid water, and, and a solid. In fact, this is one of the false teachings of the Trinity that's hundreds of years old that there's one God who sometimes appears as Father, sometimes appears as Son, and, and sometimes appears as, as Spirit. And this is not the correct teaching of the Trinity. Uh, uh, this is me next to a really big tree, and uh, actually, that tree is in Boston, one of the oldest public parks in America. Benjamin Franklin walked by this tree. Okay, it's pretty cool. Uh, the The point there is is not the tree, though. It's me. Okay, uh, I am I am me, but I'm 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 a Bible teacher, I'm I'm a family man, and I'm a church member. Three and one. Now, this uh, helps to think about the unity of me, and I have different roles, but not the distinctiveness of the Trinity. It breaks down there. It's not good. And uh, the last one is the sun. Some people have proposed the sun. You have sun, the sun, you have heat, and you have light. You have three things. They're all related. And uh, the false teaching represented here is that the sun... Creates the heat and the light. Yes, God the Father sent Jesus, but God the Father did not create the Son and the Spirit. And so uh, this evening we will uh, consider what the Bible has to say about the Trinity. So uh, first, learning about the Trinity, how to explain. Uh, so, uh, If nobody wants to answer, that's fine. But what is one great Bible story, not teaching, Bible story in the New Testament that so clearly shows us the Trinity? A Bible story in the New Testament, it's in the Gospels, that very clearly demonstrates the Trinity. What? The baptism of Jesus. So you have God the Son being baptized and a voice from heaven speaks this is my son and the bible says the spirit on the form of a dove comes upon jesus and so you see the trinity here uh, in the baptism of jesus the great commission i read uh, earlier interestingly it says in the name not in the names of the father the son and the holy spirit but but in the name in the name and uh, First Peter uh, gets at that there are three members of the Trinity, and they all have distinctive roles, uh, roles within the Godhead. Now, uh, what we have here is the Trinity of points. And if you boil down the most important statements to get the Trinity, these three. And I did not come up with them, thankfully, okay? I didn't come up with these. I mean, I agree with these, but, but here it is. If you get these three statements, you get the, the core of the biblical teaching of the Trinity. Uh, so first, God is, is three persons. Each person is distinct, meaning the Father, God the Father is not God the Son. God the Son is, is not God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus, God the Son, died on the cross, not God the Father. So each is distinct. Three persons. And the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some just impersonal, unknowable spiritual force that, that emanates from the Father. This is a member of the Trinity. Uh, second, each person of the Trinity is fully God. And theologians have come up with the word person because of you use being... Then you get to uh, three gods, and that's not what that is. So the person, each person is fully God. Now, generally, people, they get it. God the Father is fully God. God the Spirit, okay. The problem throughout history has been, who is Jesus? And the biblical witness is very clear. And even in, in the Great Commission, they worshipped Jesus. In the, and it's in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit, Jesus is God. And when, when you think about it, how distinctive that is among all other belief systems on the face of the earth. And if you ever come across a belief system that sounds Christian, that sounds biblical with biblical words, but they don't get this that Jesus is fully God, they are—they are not being biblical. They're—they're rejecting the very nature of who God is. So we have to be careful when we—and there are a group. There are people out there. You know this. That speak sounds biblical, but then they'll deny this. So Jesus is fully God. And then third, there is one God. This is not tritheism. It is monotheism. There is one God. Now, what about the differences among the Trinity? Well, it could be said this way. The Father purposes or wills or decrees. Jesus accomplishes the will of the Father and the Holy Spirit sustains the work of God in this world. So, in creation, God spoke or decreed creation. Creation was accomplished through Jesus Christ. Interesting. But John chapter 1, verse 3, and Colossians 1, verse 16, talk about Jesus' role in creation. And the Holy Spirit sustains creation. In redemption, think about it, the seeds of salvation exist within the Trinity. The Father sent the Son. The Son accomplishes our redemption through his death and resurrection and ascension. And then the Holy Spirit is sent to apply that redemption in our lives. Now, of course, this idea of the Trinity is is a grand mystery. And you and I like to understand it logically or mathematically, and we simply can't. In fact, people that try to reduce it to logic or math end up denying one part of the Trinity according to the biblical witness. It is one of the great mysteries of the faith, but it is clearly spoken of in God's word, and it leads to an amazing idea of who God is and uh, what those consequences are for our lives, I'll I'll speak about in just a moment. So, right now, I just went through a very brief uh, doctrine of the Trinity. (coughs) Uh, Next, I'd like to think about how to understand the Trinity primarily in the terms of loving. Now, The reason why I I wrote this sermon in the first place is uh, because I was in 11th grade Bible teaching about the Trinity, and I read an article in Christianity Today entitled Three is the Loveliest Number by a a British theologian, Michael Reeves. Uh, It's 2012 uh, Christianity Today, December issue 2012, if you're interested. Now, I read this article uh, because I thought I should. I should read this. Kind of like eating your vegetables. You know, ice cream is much tastier, but okay, we'll eat the vegetables. I thought, yes, as a good Bible teacher, I should read this article. And as I read it, oh, I I just got into it. And I was, wow, this is wonderful. And to be honest with you, my excitement and wonder about the doctrine of the Trinity was strengthened through through reading this article. And, and then I was teaching about it in school, and I thought, oh, I, I just want to study this more and think more about it. So some of the things I'm about to say now, um, I want to say I, uh, the inspiration of them came from uh, Michael Reeves and uh, this uh, Christianity Today article. Uh, Jesus reveals the Trinity. You can see hints of it in the Old Testament. Yes. But it is not until the New Testament that we truly grasp what the Trinitarian nature of God is. As referenced earlier, we see this clearly in the baptism of Jesus. And then Jesus talks about the Father and the Son. And he says, you have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus reveals that there are three different persons of the Trinity. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, the one that I will send to you. And so when we think about the call to trust in Jesus for for salvation, in a sense it it is a call to embrace the Trinitarian nature of God. The Father sent the Son, the Son to accomplish our redemption. And then the Holy Spirit that is sent to us to to do that redemptive work with our hearts and continue to to fill us and, and empower us each and every day of our lives. When Jesus revealed the Trinity, he revealed that there is relationship within the Godhead. Let's think about it this way. Let's start with something easy. We exist. How did we get here? Well, maybe we came from nothing. Well, that's a leap of faith, but okay, we came from nothing. Then, where does our life lead? Essentially, it leads to nothing, and... We might try to eke some meaning out of life, but ultimately our our lives are are purposeless. Maybe we came from a God. Let's say a non-Trinitarian God. Maybe we did. Now, if we came from a non-Trinitarian God, think about this, that God would have existed for all eternity past, absolutely alone. For all eternity past, existed absolutely alone. Now, what is the biblical witness about who God is? God is Trinitarian. So this means that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed for all eternity past, what? In relationship. In order to have love, you need to give it to someone. You can't be absolutely alone and have love. So, from all eternity past, God Almighty existed in loving Trinitarian relationships. The point here is this. It's one phrase, one sentence. And uh, I am weak at, at saying this. Right now, I won't ask you to play the organ, but we should have the organ blaring right now. We should have timpanis going, and we should have trumpets. And this is so big. If there's one thing you remember, remember this. And before you go to sleep at night, Think about this deep thought because this is so profound. Okay? I didn't come up with it, but I'm telling you. Okay? Profound. Are you ready? Ready? God Almighty did not create love. God is love. He did not create love. Who is love. This is part of the essence of his being for all eternity past. And then God says, I will create. And he creates this universe, this creation. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Unbelievable. And then God says, I'm going to create people. And I'm going to do something special for those people. I'm going to share something with them that is at the very core of who I am. And that is relationship. That is loving relationship. And so God created man and woman, male and female in his image. And part of being created in the image of God is that we have a relationship with God, and this is something that existed within the Trinity forever. Eternity, past, present, and future. And we are given such a gracious gift. It is profound to think that God did not exist simply as one, but as one in Trinity form. And so love has existed for all eternity. He did not create love. God is love. And so finally, how to apply the Trinity to our lives? How to apply the Trinity to our lives? And and I, uh, I just meditated on this and I came up with, with three things. Uh, The first one is is prayer. Is prayer. Uh, Our prayer this evening was was a wonderful Trinitarian prayer earlier, wasn't it? And the Bible doesn't say that every time you pray, you must reference all three members of the Trinity. The Bible doesn't say that. However, I would encourage you to think more about this in prayer. And perhaps there are times when you pray that you will be more intentional about considering who God is as three in one and including this in your prayer. Something that I've uh, just observed when people pray, uh, not not in church maybe, but just, you know, places, or students. Uh, typically, your, your old age average evangelical will begin prayer with, Dear Lord, thank you for this day. And end prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is fine. Um, However, I would encourage you and challenge you to to think through, uh, when you do pray, how are you going to start the prayer? How are you going to end the prayer? And specifically, would you agree that probably when we pray, the least referenced member of the Trinity in our prayers normally is the Holy Spirit? Now, we often pray to God the Father, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Jesus talks about praying in his name, and so rightly so. We often end our prayers with, in the name of Jesus. How often do we pray, Holy Spirit, please fill me afresh today. Holy Spirit, please strengthen me for this difficult thing that I will have to to deal with today. So I I encourage you to think about the Trinity in your own prayer life. Uh, Secondly, the church, uh, the Trinity in worship. God the Father has placed Jesus Christ as the head of the church. The Holy Spirit is at work in the church. The Trinitarian God desires to use the church to do his work in this world. The church is not a nice weekend activity, although it is a great weekend activity. That's not just what it is. It is a part of the mission of the Trinitarian God's work in this world that we get to be a part of. So thinking about the Trinity in terms of the church, and then every day, every day, God did not create God. God did not create love. God is love. And a very simple point from that is that God loves you. No matter what we go through in this sin-scarred world, that one day we'll be made whole, but not yet. No matter what we go through, that God loves you. That he shared relationship with you and I. And this God desires to draw close to you and for you to draw close to God there is a profound one-liner in the Old Testament that is repeated over and over. It's in the Psalms, but other places in the Old Testament. And I don't know why, but very often on my way to work, as I I walk to work each day, uh, to the school, I will will say this as as part of my my walk, because I like my walk to to be prayerful, I will say this line. And uh, when you get the Trinity, you, you understand how profound this line is. It is this Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever.